Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. This is Perrin, and I have a really special guest today. I found this person because in the Authority Hacker Pro community, I was asking for Pinterest experts. A lot of us don't know much about Pinterest, neither do I. So I was like, all right, guys, tell me who the Pinterest guy is. And they were like, hey, man, it's not a guy. It's Kate All. So through various recommendations, I found Kate, who is the Pinterest expert, as far as I can tell, on the internet. And so I was reading Kate's blog, which is simplepinmedia.com. I took some some of Kate's courses, which were awesome. And then I started reading her resume, which I didn't even do before. And it's really pretty impressive. Kate runs Simple Pin Media, which in addition to the blog and courses, which are educational, she also does consulting and actually manages like, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Kate, but hundreds of Pinterest accounts at this point. At this point, yeah, cumulative, like I think we're at three or 400 that we've worked with, right. but we have 70 current clients. Which is just insane. So in addition to raw expertise, as far as like someone in the trenches doing the work on Pinterest, I don't think there are many people doing it as thoroughly and as much as Kate. So Kate, or welcome. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. How's it going? Yeah. Thanks for that amazing intro. That's awesome. And I'm glad somebody recommended me. I'm always thinking <laughs> that I nobody knows who I am. So I'm always <laughs> surprised. Now they will. And you know, it's kind yeah. of different worlds. We're all SEO nerds here, which I think okay. I told you. And um, Pinterest is a different world for a lot of people. So we're yes. you know, we're like, who who is the person? And uh, a few people were recommended and everyone's like, No, 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 no. Go check mm. out Kate. Ah, that's awesome. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, so today we are going to do a podcast. We're going to talk about Pinterest, but in the Authority Hacker tradition, we're really not going to get too bogged down in theory. What we're going to do is set up a hypothetical situation and try to develop as much as we can in 30 minutes or whatever an action plan for this site so that we can keep it as actionable as possible. And I know we had some notes here, Kate, but before we do that, I do think one theoretical question is important to answer. And that's just why Pinterest. So, you know, we have an audience who have websites that are mostly driven by SEO. We are marketers. We are usually in it to make money. And we are looking at things from a business perspective. So why should we even be worried about Pinterest in the first place? I think that Pinterest is one of those places that's really misunderstood, especially by marketers. It's just seen as a place for weddings or recipes or DIY. But it's so much more of a search engine. It really is where people go for ideas, lots of ideas. So, you know, they're going there to really look for an immediate idea, but saving a future idea. There really is no other place that I know of online where you can bookmark and save all of your thoughts into an orderly way. And so Pinterest really is that. And I like to tell people too, because a lot of people come to me and they say, I don't understand Pinterest. Like, is it like Facebook? Is it like Instagram? And no, it really isn't. You know, Facebook Mm -hmm. is this immediate, you know, viral traffic. A post lives over there for like maybe 30 minutes, if that. And then Instagram is community builder. It's very much a 
look see, you know, I mean, I hardly ever click on Instagram. I'm mostly just going for what I can see. But then when I go to Pinterest, I'm really going for search. I'm really going for ideas and for inspiration. And I think any niche can fit in over there to further boost long term traffic. So I really think of it as like the Google equivalent Mm -hmm. that you might not get this viral traffic that takes off immediately, but you're going to get something that gives you traffic year over year. I mean, I have a a viral quote unquote for me that took off last spring and it brings all of my traffic from Pinterest, which then builds my email list, which then introduces them to my educational products, which then furthers, you know, people talking about me as being a Pinterest expert, if you will. I really hate that term. But, (laughs) you know, like Pinterest for me is my number one refer after Google and it's giving me traffic every single day over something I put on there a year ago. And it continues to be, if I look at the top 10 pins driving traffic, this particular pin is nine out of the 10. And so I think why Pinterest is why not Pinterest, right? Right. Like why wouldn't you want traffic that comes year over year and gives you the ability to grow your audience, make money and build your email list? Yeah. And I want to retouch a few of those things. So first one, is that it's basically a place for people to collect blog posts that they like, right? Yeah, which and is, products. And products, which is super important, especially because we have a few folks in like e-commerce. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you do on Facebook and Twitter and stuff, right? This is a place where you can actually collect content. And that's what we do on Authority Hackers. We produce content. The other thing was that uh, you said any niche is welcome. And that was mm-hmm. something that I was kind of surprised to see when I started diving into Pinterest that even stuff like business and, you know, and I know I'm such a cliche for saying this, but men's products, you yeah. know? Well, I, you know, men are the fastest growing demographic on Pinterest right now. Are they really? They are. So if you have a male-based audience, I always tell people that if you are ever questioning like whether or not you're supposed to be on Pinterest, just go search for yourself over there and see if people are already pinning your stuff or your products. And yeah. if they are, your audience is already there and you need to join them. That's a great point. And finally, you're using Pinterest as a way to get people on your email list and sell stuff. So, you know, one of the things that I hear brought up when I start talking about Pinterest, among other newbies, is like, man, well, does social traffic ever really convert? But I think that's a misconception. And you're saying it does. Yeah, it definitely does. You know, it's not going to be these giant numbers. But for a post I wrote a year ago, I'm getting five to 10 email signups a day for the opt in that I have on there. And I'm not I haven't done anything to it in the last year. And, uh, you know, for SEO purposes as well, it's also um, ranks high on Google, too. So that Pinterest juice tends to, you know, give some SEO love as well over on the Google side. So that's another reason I like to use it is I feel like the two communicate with each other. Because when I search for something, Pinterest will pull up Pinterest boards or they'll pull Mm -hmm. up Pinterest pins in their search. Yeah, I've seen that corroborated anecdotally too. You know, I've seen sites where people aren't doing any link building, but they have a strong Pinterest presence and they do really well in Google. So I haven't seen any data that supports it, but I've certainly seen the anecdotal sites that are doing that. So let's move on to our hypothetical situation so that we can better understand the tactical way a marketer would operate within Pinterest. So I think the way we should do this is just settle on a 
hypothetical site. And what I'd like to do is maybe focus on a site that's kind of popular, but a little bit vague so that it might actually work for some people out there. We don't have any sites in this niche and I don't really know many people who have sites in this overall broad niche. But I was thinking maybe the outdoor space because it's a niche where if I was a marketer, I think the first question I would be asking myself is, does this even work on Pinterest? I'm totally new to this platform. When I think of Pinterest, and again, I know this is cliche, but I'm thinking of like hair and nail tutorials and yes. like um, cosplay and, you know, weddings and that sort of thing. So we've got an outdoor site. Maybe we're getting a little bit of traction in Google. We want to diversify our traffic so that we can maybe protect ourselves from Google updates and get a little bit more traffic and some more opt-ins and that sort of thing. The first question I'd like to ask is, is this niche for our little outdoor site, is this niche right for Pinterest? Does it even work? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, number one, we look at REI or we look at people searching for where to go on hikes or we search on products that people are looking for, whether it's hiking or camping or you know, car camping, tent camping. I mean, people really search for those types of not only content, to help them come up with an idea or a strategy, but products. And Pinterest has said, you know, a lot of people will buy products after they've really been informed on Pinterest. They see a product, they see it used in maybe like a content setting, and that informs their decision to buy that product later. So outdoors hits so many niches, you know, it hits male and female, it hits mom, non-mom, it college or older, it really spans a ton of age and gender and style. So for sure, it's going to be something that's going to work on Pinterest. And maybe along those lines, do we need our site to have a certain demographic? Or if we have an outdoor site, do we already need content that has a bunch of images or... One of the other things I was thinking of that we have in our notes is, do we need a site that has like a certain quality of design, which is something SEOs are historically terrible at? <laughs> right. Yeah. I definitely say that it has to be image-based. And one of the things I see people missing is they will put a basic image, like a stock image, and it's horizontal mm-hmm. onto their post. But Pinterest functions with a vertical photo. They have said their optimal size is 735 by 1100. So it's got to be this vertical and it should have text on this photo. So five hikes to do while you're in Zion National Park or something like that, because that's what's going to hook people in because people are most often on their mobile, they're on their phone and they're scrolling through Pinterest in their main home feed. They're kind of wasting time. Uh And these images are the thing that pop to them. So if you have a lot of great content, which I've seen it out there. People can rock a post and just kill it. But if you don't have an image, you've missed out on that connecting opportunity because nobody can pin your stuff or nobody can really see it. Because if you have that really square, tiny photo that doesn't have any text on it, I'm just scrolling right by it. So definitely a good quality of design and ease of use. You know, we live in this state that this time or era where giving your email address feels like, oh, so labor intensive. You know, I mean, we're so spoiled, right? But if you don't make it easy for the user to interact with your content, they're gone. And Pinterest traffic is really bouncy. They're looking for ideas. It takes a lot to get them to connect with you. But if you have that image in place, you have an ease site that's easy to navigate, 
you're winning right there. For sure. So if we're doing this initial research and we're thinking Mm -hmm. about how our little outdoor site is going to work for Pinterest, would you say the first step, and I'm just trying to throw this back at you here, is to go to Pinterest and just start searching for camping stuff, hiking stuff. And while we were chatting just now, I typed in, you know, camping in the Pinterest search engine. I was seeing things like camping hacks, camping, you know, tents or whatever. Is that the first step? If you're trying to decide if your site's going to work. Mm-hmm. I would say like before we even get to like the foundational stuff, definitely go over there and search to see what people are already pinning. Mm -hmm. What is it that they're searching for? And Pinterest has in their search bar, they have search prediction. So when you start typing in camping, what you'll see is a series of probably four to five other phrases that people are already putting into the search bar looking for those particular topics. Kind of like when you type into Google, they give you more expanded search options like, oh, people might be searching for camping with kids or camping in a certain area. And then when you click on that, they'll give you another set of words they called guided search. They're boxes at the top. And so when you see these, Pinterest is saying these are common search terms that people are using. And so if you see in either of these lists, common search terms for your business or your site, you're definitely going to want to be over there because people are already over there searching. And one thing I'll note too, is that Pinterest is that place, you know, when it started out, it was the why didn't I think of this before kind of site. So people right. are looking for those ideas that expand their their knowledge. So camping in particular, I've seen one where people will show camping hacks in particular. They'll show a picture of maybe using a certain everyday household item for something camping and people go crazy over that because yeah. it really is that aha moment for them. Like, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of that before? This is awesome. I need this in my life. Whether they can buy it or whether they can hack it themselves. So if you look over on on Pinterest for all these things, not only will you get ideas for your content, but then you'll see, oh, my person, which I definitely think, I think you had asked something about this in kind of the last batch of questions, like knowing your target demographic Mm -hmm. is huge because then you can use those keywords. If it's not camping with kids or it's couples camping or whatever, you need to make that distinction over there because you want to match up your content with the person who's searching on the other end. So if you're never going to do anything about kids, don't have anything that has like sure. camping with kids. Sure. Yeah. So I guess it's safe to say this, that there aren't very much, many niches that just won't work. But what we should do is go to Pinterest, see what's working already and see where it aligns with our content and determine, you know, maybe this group of posts that I already have on my blog just needs an image. But what's really popular on Pinterest is this sort of content. I don't have it and I might have to create it. And that might yeah. be part of our plan before we really get started. That's a great way to build an editorial calendar Mm. is just looking at what other people have already done. Yep. Cool. I love it. So after we do that, I think the next step would be mostly just like set up and stuff. We're not going to cover that. I think there are a bajillion guides on the internet that cover the basics of it. And your course goes into great detail into setting up boards, how many you need, what sort of images you need, the perfect pen um, and all that juicy stuff. My biggest question after going through a bunch of content is after we've set up some stuff, what's the most important thing to be doing next? And really, in my mind, it's sort of this nebulous now what question mark, because as a person who doesn't use or who hasn't really marketed on Pinterest much, I have trouble setting my list of priorities. So 
Do I need a bunch of followers and that's what I should be focusing on? Do I just need to start pinning? Do I need to join group boards, which I used to hear was super impactful, but what I've read on your blog is that it's not as effective as it used to be. Right. And so you don't necessarily need to do it yet. So if we've got a little outdoor site, we've got some boards going, maybe we've got 20, 30, 50 boards, um, and we've got some decent content. What are we doing next? So I would say one of the first things is to really understand that Pinterest works based on a smart feed algorithm. And that's based on images. It's based on how often you're pinning. And it's based on search. So if you're going to start pinning, I always suggest people pin around 10 times a day. And this can be, you know, Pinterest likes reciprocity. So I do tell people pin some other stuff and pin your stuff. Can, the ratio isn't like hard and fast, 50-50 or 80-20 or whatever it is. But the important part is that Pinterest likes consistency. They like to know that you're contributing to the platform. And so pinning daily is an integral part of growing your account. And followers will come as a result of being consistent. And so... Don't, you know, the 10 pins a day, it doesn't matter if it's through a scheduling tool or if it's through your phone. The important thing again is just to get into the mindset of I'm going to be engaging on the platform. So right. that requires you to be pinning daily. Is that account wide or is it like 10 times per? board or 10 times a day account wide. Okay. So for me on simple pin, I have 37 boards, only about five of them are group boards. The rest of my own personal boards. And I pin about 10 times per day. I do about three to four pieces of content from simple pin. And then the rest is some things that I believe my audience would find valuable. I'm very picky when it comes to the type of Pinterest marketing content that I'll pin. I'm not a fan of certain types of methods that people use to grow their accounts. And so I'm very good at curating what I believe my audience would find helpful and valuable. And they could come to like my Pinterest marketing board and they would find things that I would support and endorse and they would find my own content as well. The idea of curating. I'm curating these boards overall to be an amazing resource for this little outdoor site. So what are the people going to be looking for? And I'm going to give them more of that, whether you find it on Pinterest or where you find it overall on, you know, the internet. But just really in really showing yourself to be a great resource in the outdoor space. It's why, you know, REI might do a great job over on their boards because they're showing themselves to be a great resource for this space. So that's what you want to do with your pinning. You don't just pin everything. You know, a lot Mm -hmm. of people will sweep super wide and say, I'm going to do DIY and recipes and all that kind of stuff. But you really need to hone in on who's my person. My person is looking for these types of things. So I'm going to pin those types of things for them them. So that's probably number one that I tell people. As far as followers, followers are, they used to be much more important before Pinterest really switched to this smart feed. Because Pinterest, before when they started out, they would actually encourage you to follow people. They would say, hey, we're so glad you're here on the platform. Follow these 10 people. And these follower numbers would grow super fast. And people would just get you know, millions of followers like right away, which was crazy. But now they funnel you into interests because they're more heavily search based. And so when you start as a new user, they're going to say, what interests do you want to follow? So we can show you more of that content. So followers, we don't put a lot of emphasis on it. I do know that there's that big piece of social proof, but we find that when you're pinning consistently, the follower numbers will grow over time. 
And you have a really interesting correlation study on your blog, too, that shows how the traffic correlates to the number of followers. And it's super interesting yeah. because from 0 to 50K, I forget which blocks really showed the strong correlation, but there were like big blocks that really didn't show much correlation with followers at all. And I think 0 to 50K, it really didn't matter too much. Am I right? It didn't. And it was even 50 to 100K was very all over the map. Yeah. You know, you could, there's this whole mythical idea that if you have more followers, you get more page views. And so what we wanted to see was, is that really true? And once we got over 100,000, we found that that was true just simply because they had become more popular on their website side as well. But I've even had conversations with people who have grown their Pinterest account and followers over a year from like 5,000 to 100,000. But yet their page views stayed the same Mm -hmm. as what they were at around five or 10,000. So this whole idea that the more followers, the more traffic just really isn't true on Pinterest. And so that's really why we did that study was we wanted to see for ourselves is that true? And that's what we found was not. It more went back to the type of content that you're creating and how people are engaging with that and will they click through it? Like, are you offering in your image and even the text that's on the image a compelling reason to click? And when people did that, they saw a greater return regardless of the number of followers. It's cool. It's good for us as a, you know, quote unquote, little guy with a newer outdoor site and a newer Pinterest account. It means that we can compete with these bigger guys. Yes, I will. You know, and I've been trying to actually do a lot of interviews with people who are much smaller to see mm-hmm. what they're seeing. And what I found is that when people really focus in on who they're targeting, they in turn will, you know, like I said before, grow their email list, make money. It's not going to be as giant, you know, as we see on these Facebook ads that scroll through our feed all the time of like growing your email list overnight, but they're still growing their people one person at a time or two people at a time. And Pinterest is like compound interest. It just builds on itself over time. It doesn't, sometimes it goes backwards a little bit, you know, it can go up and down in traffic. But for the most part, when you start out, you're really just kind of going upward. Right. There's not a lot of backward movement. Cool. So first step is to just start pinning great stuff. And of course, there are other things mixed in with that, like writing good descriptions and creating good keyword targeted boards and that sort of thing. Again, just more basic stuff. And there are a bajillion bajillion guides out there. We don't necessarily want to cover it today. But assuming that what we really want to do is start pinning and staying consistent. Followers are natural. Let's talk group boards. Do we need to worry about those? Because what I used to hear was that if you just get on a couple good group boards, your traffic goes through the roof. Is that still true? And do we need to worry about it? I will say, yeah, group boards used to be amazing. And they used to be really great before the smart feed changed. It used to be a chronological feed. And so if you joined a group board that had a lot of followers and had a lot of collaborators, then that was gold. And now what we've seen is Pinterest is because it's so heavily search based. They're showing the individual pinner on their feed things that they are interested in seeing. So let's say you joined a group board and you've got somebody that follows you and they might not see your pin for a couple days, a week, or even 14 days, depending on their search habits. If they've never searched anything for outdoors outside of following you, they might not see your pins. And so That's why group boards worked really well before because everybody saw everything. So if you're thinking about joining a group board, what I always suggest is you look for people you know 
and you can collaborate with maybe five to 10 people. And you can maybe somebody in that your outdoorsy niche, maybe they're already a little bit more established on Pinterest and they might have like a thousand followers. If you're at zero, that is going to benefit you because you can join on their board and you can share some of their stuff. It's not going to catapult you like you did before, but it's definitely a good idea because then you're getting more exposure by having your stuff on other boards. Now, the the kind of throttle back effect happens. You know, people are like, I'm going to join 50 group boards. Well, that's great. But then your stuff is getting so saturated. And when I go onto your Pinterest board, I see all these group boards that are not, they're not yours. They're somebody else's. Somebody can kick you off that group board at any time. People can pin a bunch of spammy stuff. And if that group board gets marked as spam, then you could get marked as spam. Mm -hmm. And when you get marked as spam on Pinterest, it's like screeching halt. I mean, your account literally shuts down. Yeah. So only use group boards with collaborative efforts, people you know, and they have a low number of contributors. Those tend to perform the best as opposed to, oh, you have 100,000 followers, but there's 5,000 contributors on this board. Chances are, if you look through there, you're going to see a lot of spammy stuff and you don't want your stuff in there. And how are we looking for those? Are we just looking for people we like in our niche that are around our size or are we looking specifically for people who already have smaller group boards with low contributors that would be more receptive to adding us? Or is it going to people we know and saying, hey, do you want to set up a group board together? So I think that's one way going to people, you know, setting up a group board together. You can also go find people on Pinterest who are a little more established and there's a a function where you can message them Mm -hmm. and you can just ask them to join your board. And when you do message them, say who you are, what you do and why you've selected that board, that you do want to be a good contributor, that you have good content and people will probably accept you. If you do have a pinnable image, you have, you know, good content on your site, they'll let you join. That's another way. There is a site online called pingroupy.com and that is actually all pin groups. I have to say I've heard that people have said they it wasn't updated very often. So just sometimes you can email, it lists the group board so you can go to it and you could message the person, but it's not always updated. The other one is on Facebook, there is a Facebook group that's just called Pinterest group boards. You could join that and you could see a list of people who are offering up their boards to add collaborators. And all you do is simply leave your email address and say, I'd like to join your board. That's probably that last one is the easiest way to see what's out there. And chances are there's a lot of people on there who would be outdoors. You can just search the group for outdoors and you'd probably find five or 10 people willing to add you to their group board. One more question about group boards. And so say you go to somebody and you're like, hey, I love your content. I think we have a similar audience. Do you want to start a group board together? They say yes. And you start that group board. Does that mean anything posted on that group board has access to everybody's followers? It used to, but not as much anymore when now we move to the search-based you know, algorithm. Only people who are searching that particular niche. So let's say the board name is Camping Hacks. Mm-hmm. If people have searched camping or hacks in their home feed, Pinterest might show them more of that. And, you know, that would be a way that you would see it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you get access to all their followers right away because mm-hmm. Pinterest just doesn't work that way anymore. Cool. We've got our 
account rolling. We've been doing some consistent pinning for our outdoor site. We've got some good boards. We have started accumulating some followers and maybe we've set up some group boards and we're seeing some success. We are making some money and we're getting some traffic. I want to talk about now how we grow. So we've already talked about a few interesting scenarios in this podcast already, like the person who grew from 5,000 followers to 100,000 followers and didn't see any increase in page views. If we've got a little bit of traction and we want to keep increasing our traffic over time, what is the best way to do that? In our notes I have, do we just pin more? Do we create more auxiliary boards? Are we creating more content on our blog? What's the strategy going forward? So a lot of people get to this point and they start... I guess, freaking out. Like, why am I not growing? Why have I plateaued? And one Mm -hmm. of the things to know about Pinterest is that it's a slow burn. Growth on Pinterest is pretty slow. It's between two and 5% per year. So your, you can pin more content. Sometimes that will get your follower numbers to grow, but it doesn't necessarily increase your page views. So I do tell some of our clients who maybe are at the 10 pins a day, you know, can we see if maybe 20 pins a day will kind of jumpstart it? I'll say, sure, let's do it. But one of the things to know as well is Pinterest is very seasonal. And so let's say for this outdoor niche, your stuff really starts taking off in the spring and then it dies down maybe in September. If you're sitting in November and you're like, man, I want to get my content out there. I want to grow. You're targeting the wrong time of year. So you want to be really conscious of when you're trying to get this growth to happen because you're always thinking, how can I get my content in front of the person who is searching? How can I create, you know, pin descriptions and the keywords that people put in pin descriptions are incredibly important because Pinterest is, their search is based on those keywords. It's also based on visual. And so if you have, um, you know, a picture of a product that you're selling that's maybe a tent and somebody is at the store and they look for a tent. You know, Pinterest has this great feature where you can pull up their little camera called lens and take a picture of a tent. And then Pinterest will search all of Pinterest and find that tent. And then you could buy it if you have viable pins. So you want to be thinking, when is my person going to be looking for the tools and the content that I need? And that's when you might try adding more pins per day. So if I, you know, Pinterest marketing is pretty steady all year round. I don't have a lot of seasonal stuff, but I did actually try to capitalize on that last spring by talking about spring cleaning my Pinterest boards. Mm -hmm. And guess what? A lot of people were searching spring cleaning. So even though I wasn't necessarily targeting the mom at home who is spring cleaning your home, some of those were marketers or some of those were bloggers who used Pinterest. So I had a little bit of crossover. So always look at when the season, that's when you want to up your pins. And then the other thing to accelerate growth is leverage your audience. So does your audience know you're on Pinterest? You know, maybe you want to showcase a board. You have one about, you know, the best tents of 2017. You've reviewed them all on your site. Share that with your Facebook page. Share that with your Instagram audience because you want to see if they're going to hop over to Pinterest and then share some of your stuff. That's a great, you know, our audience does so much sharing for us. So get them involved in your Pinterest marketing and show them, hey, I'm going to share with you the most awesome outdoor things. So follow me on Pinterest. The other thing too that I tell people is 
Sometimes Pinterest will make a lot of changes that does affect page views. So we need to be conscious of what Pinterest is doing on their platform. So right now, traffic is really down for a lot of people on Pinterest. And a lot of that is because about six weeks ago, they introduced three main visual search features. Those do have effects on the platform and how pins are seen. So don't be discouraged when it's down for a little bit. It will eventually go up. It's just, it's like the little engine that could on right. Pinterest, right? You just got to like keep going or, or Dory, right? Like just keep swimming. That's what I tell people is you got to continue to be over there. Don't give up after three months. Don't even give up after six months. It can take a while for your growth to take off. So for a little outdoor site, what we might be thinking hypothetically is, you know, it's April. People are going to probably be taking vacations in June. So right now we might yes. be prepping best places to camp in 2017 or summer or this summer or how to create your first backpacking kit or whatever. Yeah. So then okay. when we hit this camping season, we might be posting all that stuff to our Pinterest boards at maybe twice the rate. Um, yes. And you, a thing to note about that really quickly is that thinking of holidays on Pinterest, you want to start pinning previous to a holiday or season between four to six weeks before that actually happens. Right. Because then that gives it time to get into the system so that when your person does search, bam, it's already there. But a lot of people wait until, oh, hey, Christmas is, you know, Friday. I'm going to start pinning <laughs> on Monday. Right. No way. You've totally missed the window. You got to go way back and really, you know, prep that. And then also, let's say, you know, a year down the line, you saw you put your backpack stuff out now, right? And it, it does kind of good. Or maybe, you know, it just kind of falls flat. Mm -hmm. Remember that you can revisit that next year and really start pinning it again. And it might get more of a boost because Pinterest goes, oh, yeah, we've seen this. Your people have shared it. We're going to show it to more people. And is that something Pinterest does? If a pin was already successful in the past, then they are more likely to expand the reach of that pin if you start, you know, promoting it a little bit more. Yeah, we see it a lot, especially with a lot of seasonal content. So if some of our food bloggers have content that did great, you know, on Thanksgiving, it'll start to peak again the beginning of November. Mm. Pinterest shows it to more people because it has all this social proof behind it. So then when I start searching it at the beginning of November, Pinterest goes, oh, yeah, this is was super popular and it has a ton of repins and clicks. We're going to show it to more people because people find it valuable. Kind of similar. I'm not a Google SEO person at all, but I'm kind of assuming that's how Google works is they go, oh, yeah, this wasn't popular and people like it. So I'm going to show it. It's going to be higher up in search. And is that why Pinterest is good for long-term traffic is that yes. Pinterest will show pins that were previously successful even if you pin them you know six months ago or whatever or a year yeah. I guess in this case and it's honestly for some for some people who create content it's kind of frustrating for them because they have something that maybe took off a year ago and maybe their their content strategy has shifted and they might not be talking about that much anymore so how do you take in maybe this you know, maybe for out, our outdoor site, maybe there was something that they were heavily focused on tents and camping, and now they're going to be focused more on road tripping. You know, how do you shift that? You can shift that, but for some people, you think, when is this traffic going to die off? And I think that's the wrong question to ask, really, because yeah. you're getting traffic over and over. It's just right. from a post you didn't expect. Right. <laughs> for sure. Okay. So I want to talk about a very important part of the strategy, especially for something like an outdoor site. And I don't know if this is going to be 
something we can talk about in generalities if it's mm-hmm. the same for all people. But I think you're in a unique position here because you work with so many different Pinterest accounts. And that's monetization. Mm-hmm. So what I'm interested to hear from you, and actually I just wrote or updated our huge post that analyzes income reports. So I think I have a pretty good idea, but I want to hear from you and your vantage point managing Pinterest accounts specifically. How are people monetizing their traffic? Is it display ads? Is it affiliate content? Are they selling e-commerce products? Is it sponsored content, which I saw a lot in the blog post I just did? What are you seeing and what would you recommend in general? And then what would you say for our little outdoor site? That's a good question. And I love talking about monetization because I think there's so many different avenues. But I will say ads, for the majority of them, I would say it's about 30 to 40% of their income. And then affiliate might be also about 30% and sponsored content 30%. For those that are doing affiliates, they're really strategic about how they're writing their posts, whether it's certain types of gift guides, or it might be even continuing to promote a certain product you find super helpful, and you want to share with your audience over and over. Um, Ads, you know, those are really dependent on page views. So if Pinterest is down, then your ad income is down. So I love like this idea of an affiliate strategy too, because it brings people on Pinterest like those roundups of tips or products or ideas that will make their life easier. So Mm -hmm. those tend to be really heavily monetized with affiliate. And then sponsored content, I think is hit or miss. I've seen a lot of people do sponsored content because they have obviously a contract with a brand, but they're not really optimizing it for Pinterest, where if they did, they could actually leverage their rate's probably a little bit higher with a brand because they're rocking it on Pinterest. So that's they're doing a great ask, yeah. yeah. I was going to ask if maybe that's one potential upside to having a lot of followers is you can make a little mm-hmm. bit more money with yes. sponsored content because you are in a stronger negotiating position. Exactly. And brands, you know, I've actually, the last couple of weeks, I've gone to a couple of conferences with brands and I've been kind of picking their brains about what things they're looking for and how they're using Pinterest. And it's still so much a mystery to them as well, because they're looking for the Facebookers, they're looking for Twitter or Instagram, like they want the social proof over there, but then they forget that this sponsored content. So if you were to create this really amazing post for a brand that sells tents, and you did amazing Pinterest image, and you kept talking about these tents, right? So that particular pin has the potential to do well again next year. And Mm -hmm. brands have a hard time thinking long term. Well, if you're a blogger that is really good at showing that you're going to help them create longevity, you can go back to them in a year and say, hey, remember that post I did for you last year? It's totally rocking it this year. Do you want to do another campaign? And they might go, yeah, I didn't even think about that. You know? Right. So I would say those three. And then for me in particular, I monetize a lot through selling my own products. So I create Pinterest images that lead to all of my sales pages for my master course, How to Master Tailwind, and even my email freebie opt in. I send pinnable images to that all the time. And that helps you know, people buy my products. Yeah, that's interesting. So if I was going to sell my own product and, you know, we have our own products on Authority Hacker and Authority Hacker, I think, is has zero Pinterest presence. We, we have it on our own sites, but, you know, our authority sites, but um, we don't sell our own products on Authority Hacker on Pinterest. So I'm wondering, I mean, and if I was going to do that, I would probably mm-hmm. send them to uh, a 
really great post that we've written, and then that post would have some sort of opt-in form, and then I would be selling through an autoresponder. But you yes. are sending people, and I, I know you do that too. That's why I bought your course. <laughs> but you are also sending people to sales pages. I am. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I, I'm also on my pinnable image. I'm not talking about my course. I'm saying how to create a better Pinterest marketing strategy. Or are you looking to up your Pinterest game? I'm asking them a question because I want them to click. And yeah. then when they click through, they see my sales page and my video and they go, oh, yeah, maybe this is what I'm looking for. So I want to open as many streams of traffic on Pinterest that go to, you know, my email, to my opt-ins on my individual posts that then lead to my funnel, but directly going to the page or to my landing pages. I think that's a big thing that I see people missing out on is sending people to like sending Pinterest traffic as many places that they can to get them to interact with their products. Right. And it doesn't necessarily hurt to just send them directly to the sales page. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't hurt at all. And a lot of people think, oh, are people, they, they give up before they even try. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I see a lot is they go, oh, is that going to work? And that <laughs> I think is what people feel about Pinterest. Like, it's going to work. I don't get it. I don't understand yeah. it. I'm just, I'm cool with Facebook or I'm cool with Instagram. <laughs> like, let's just stay here. And I really think yeah. that is missing out on a huge amount of traffic potential for your niche. It's like, why wouldn't you want to see if your niche is over there? Yeah. And, you know, just personally, I think it's intimidating. As a platform I've, I've never yes. used, it's much more intimidating than Facebook ever was. It could be because I grew up on Facebook. But yeah, um, totally. Pinterest, for whatever reason, and I think I've seen you mention this in your blog, uh, people are intimidated by it. They are. In fact, I am doing an upcoming podcast about, you know, why... Pinterest is not Facebook and how to think of it differently and really Mm -hmm. is a mind shift. And you have to have a mind shift when you go into Pinterest marketing that you can't apply all these Facebook logics or algorithm changes or whatever happens on Facebook to Pinterest. It really is its own entity that has its own culture, but it's not that hard. So once we do what we've talked about today and you get the ball rolling, it's just going, I'm going to continue to invest over here and I'm not going to, I'm not going to give up. Okay, last question. Mm-hmm. And that is, assuming we are doing well in all of these previous stages we've talked about today, we have set up our Pinterest account, we've been pinning consistently, we have some followers, we're on some group boards, we're getting some traffic, we're making money, and we've kind of figured out how to grow, whether it's leveraging our own audience or doing it seasonally, and we're monetized well. How do we take ourselves out of the equation more and automate this process? We actually have a blueprint in our premium course about using Tailwind. Mm-hmm. but and, and I know you have a Tailwind-only course because you are a big fan of it. Yeah. Should people be looking at Tailwind or maybe like a Pinterest VA? I think the answer to that question really lies in your time, your budget, and your desire. So I would say if you enjoy Pinterest marketing and you like interacting over there and making it a part of your strategy, definitely use Tailwind because you can sit down on Sunday and you can schedule out for the week and you're done. So it can, you know, one to maybe two hours a week and you're you know, automated the entire week. However, there are people that I know they're still confused about it. They don't like it that they say, I really do want to hire somebody just to manage this for me because I have other areas in my business that I want to focus on and spending one to two hours on Pinterest marketing doesn't make sense. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to hire somebody out for that. I always tell people when they go into hiring someone, think about, do you want to 
train them or do you want to have them already trained? Somebody that you go to train is going to be probably less expensive than somebody who already knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So then that's where your budget comes into play. How much can you afford? And also understand that when you do hire someone, having in mind that like Pinterest is going to take a long time. So commit to at least six months with this person. Ask questions. See if they can run monthly reports for you. What's working? What's not working? So that you're not just saying, I'm totally done with Pinterest and I'm out, but you're actually hearing, okay, my tent post did awesome. Okay, that's good. I can create more of that content. Or this post just took off. You might want to hop over and see if it's monetized and see if people can engage. So whoever you do end up hiring, make sure that that open line of communication is there so that you can make better decisions. Love it. So thank you so much for being here. I want to take a quick second and before you plug your products, I want to plug some of your products for you because I have used them and there are a couple that I may buy in the future. But you have some courses, which I bought one and I really liked it. Um, You also have, I forget what it's called, but you have the one where you do calls with other people who talk about expert level stuff, monetizing with Pinterest. It was the Um, workshops. It's closed now, but it's it's our very intensive hands-on teaching. And that's mostly through calls with other Pinterest experts. Yeah. Yeah. We're taking six, Mm -hmm. we took six specific topics and taught on those for Pinterest. And then we do calls and follow up and we really ask questions to say, did you get this basically? Because a lot of courses, you know, you just do it on your own. Right. So. So those are two. You also do consulting calls where you have... I think it's either you or your team and you can hop on the phone for an hour with someone who's a Pinterest consultant. And then you also do a, a complete managed service that has a bunch of different tiers. So why don't you tell us a little bit about those and why we might want to buy them? Yeah. So we have the management piece of it. And that's how Simple Pin really started out was we did just management and we have three levels of management that are on the site. And it's really based on, you know, what level are you interested in and what can your budget afford to? That's another thing as well. We have a full comprehensive package for somebody who wants more business coaching as well, help with images, help with promoted pins, which is a whole nother podcast. But we have some people who come to us and just say, I just, need just a little bit of management. So they might go for the smaller package. We have people who come to us and say, my Pinterest account was a total mess. I want to take it from personal to business. Can you help us do that? And then I also have a build. So let's say somebody, that outdoor person is like, I don't know where to start. Can you guys just build it for me with, you know, 15 boards or so and put some pins on it, make sure it's optimized for Pinterest search, and then we'll take it from here. And then the consults are always done with me. So I can go through, we can dig in. Maybe you're the type of person that says, Hey, I just, I just need somebody to give me perspective, look over my page and I can do it. So you just tell me what I need to do. And then, yeah, the product side of things, which is, you know, we have kind of the two different streams of people. We have the people who don't want to do anything. They want to outsource it all. So that's our management side. And then, like you said, I have the teaching with the courses. We have a course on how to master tailwind and that's just under an hour. So you can really go in, learn it and you're good to go. And then the master course and the workshops will be released probably next January. Again, that's a really time sent like open closed cart. It's the only open closed cart product I have, Mm -hmm. but it's very much a hands-on, we're going to do this with you so that at the end, you can be totally up to speed on all 
the important areas of interest. Perfect. And um, if people just want to follow along with you, where can they find you? I am Simple Pin Media on all social channels. And you can also go to simplepinmedia.com where I have a podcast and I have a free planner you can download. And then a bunch of other resources over there, guides to promoted pins or getting started on Pinterest or rich pins. Really a lot of those basic things that people are looking for answers to. We try to answer them over there. So depending on your skill level or your want level, I guess, you can go ahead and find that over there. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I personally learned a ton and I'm super pumped now to go. I actually have one board set up, but now I'm going to go set up a whole bunch more. <laughs> and <laughs> start at least 10. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Kate. And um, you guys go start pinning. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.